Hello, this is Donna Reish with Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar and Blog and Character Inc. Press, a small press publishing company uh, that publishes materials for homeschoolers, Christian schools, and uh, public school teachers in the areas of language arts, writing, and more. Today, you have happened upon an episode of Wondering Wednesday in which I answer questions about homeschooling, parenting, marriage, language arts, teaching, home management, um, efficiency, organization, and more. And so this particular episode is one in which I answer readers' questions about uh, faith and character building for small children, specifically to a mops group or a young moms group. Um, This is going to be a presentation for them, especially, and it is titled Faith and Character Building for Littles. And so before I begin, I hope that you have the handout in front of you. Um, It will take us through and and let you walk through as I speak about the various topics, give you some Bible verses and some lists and things like that to have in front of you. Also, um, at the top of the Faith and Character Building for Littles handout, you'll see an asterisk that says Learning from Workshops, as easy as ABC. One of the things I just encourage all listeners to do whenever they are at Uh, mine or my husband's workshops or parenting seminar or whatever is at the beginning of each session to just tell yourself that you cannot take in everything. You cannot make all of the changes and all of the things that you might want here that you might want to do in your family. You can't do them all at once and you can't do them all quickly. And so instead of thinking in terms of, oh, I have to change everything, we would rather have uh, listeners take away one, two, three, four, five, six things that they could do in their families and actually incorporate those things. I tell the story often when I speak about how um, 30 years ago we were being mentored by another couple and this gentleman took right to the side and told him that he should meet with me once a week and he should ask me each week, what can I do for you? What do we need to change? What do we need to work on? And this fellow assured Ray that I would tell him what it was and then we could work on that. And then next week we would do the same thing and we would work on that and so forth. And he told Ray that there will come a time after you have done this for so long that Donna will look at you and say, well, I don't really need anything. Um, What do you need? And in 35 years this June of marriage, that has never happened. So anyway, (laughs) I say all that to say we have had been parenting seven children between the ages of 17 and 33 for 33 years plus. And in that time, uh, we've been taking this approach to our family uh, changes, to our family improvement. We have been taking this approach for at least 30 of those years. And in all of those years, we did not make a change every single week in 30 years. Um, You know, eventually you just can't keep up with that kind of momentum. However, I would venture to say that we probably made one change a month in those 30 years. And when you look at that, look at it that way, then you consider, I'm parenting for the long haul. I'm parenting for a long time here. Depending on how many children you have, you know, our, we're going to graduate our last child this year. So we will have been homeschooling for um, 32 years because we began homeschooling with my younger sister when our oldest child was one. 
but homeschooling for 32 years, parenting for 33 and a half um, at the end of the school year. And when you look at it that way, that's a long time to parent. That's a long time to make changes. Those are a lot of opportunities for improvement in your home, a lot of opportunities to make things better for your family. And so when you look at it in that way, it's not like, oh, I can only change one thing a month. I may as well just give up. This isn't working. I can't do what I want to do, so I may as well just forget it. When you look at it that way, when you consider 30 years of parenting and you consider 12 months a year, 30 times 12 is 360 months. We more than likely did 360 great things in our family. Now, when you look at it like that, isn't it worth it to make one change a month, to do one scheduling tweak, to add one thing into your family, to take away one thing from your family, to make one change each month that will improve your family? When you look at it over the long haul, 360 changes is nothing small. That is great. And so I just encourage you not to say, I have to do all of this right now, but instead to say, what can help my family immediately? And I have there that little tag, as easy as ABC. Because I like to use this approach to prioritizing my to-do list and even in seminars and so forth. And that is where I put an A beside the things that I really, really need to get done. I put a B beside the things that I would like to get done. I put a C beside the things that, you know, I could wish that I could get done. So need, want, wish kind of thing. And in this case, whenever you're in a seminar or something, rather than just marking things and then everything looking equal when you're done and you're not really having the impression of the things that were the most important to you at the time, instead go through while you're listening and put an A with a circle around it, big A, and B, and C, and just do that for each thing that you, you feel that you want to remember or that you might want to come back to later on. And then evaluate and say, okay, I have 10 A's here. Which thing should we start with? Which thing would be the most important thing to help our family? So faith and character building for littles. I want to start with the five W's and H of character building. First of all is the why. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So one of the reasons that we want to do this faith and character building in our children is because we are commanded to. We are commanded to teach God's ways to our children. Of course, there are so many other places in the Bible that also uh, allude to this. Uh, go, therefore, make disciples. And even then, what, is, what does the verse say about that? First of all, it says, in your own hometown, then, you, then your uh, county, then your state, then your country. So even then, there is a hierarchy. There is a, an order that we need to follow, and it starts right in our hometown. In our cases, it's going to start right in our home right in our homes to make those changes, to make those disciples. And then, of course, the, the parenting verses bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are commanded to bring them up in God's ways and with God and in faith. Next is where. This verse in Deuteronomy, we're going to be really relating to this verse the entire session. And that verse tells us that we should do it everywhere that we are with our kids. Everywhere we are when we're with them, we should be pouring into their lives, pouring into their hearts, making disciples, teaching them God's ways, teaching them godly character everywhere we are with our kids. When? 
Also, that verse tells us all the time. You'll notice in that verse, it begins when you first get up and it ends when you go to bed. Kind of like parenting in general, right? But we have all of those opportunities. I know when we first started parenting, it, it was like there was this, uh, you know, you were a good parent if you did this devotion in the morning and this family worship at night or, or this um, morning Bible reading and then this dinnertime devotional or whatever. And you were a good parent if you did those things. And um, now that we've grown through the years, we can see how this faith teaching, this spiritual training, this character building in our children should be something that's going on all the time. And you're going to see as we go through here the many methods there are to do that, just exactly what I'm talking about. Who? Who should do this? You, as the parent, should do this. Um, and it's interesting to note that not only should it be you, but it should be you after it's in your heart. Look at the first part of that verse in Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So it's going to be within you first, and then you are going to have something to give to your children. You're going to have something that you can offer them and help them learn what you have for yourself. What is it that we're supposed to be teaching? Biblical teaching, Christian living, character, faith, everything that's related to the Bible and to living a godly life. How? The, most of this workshop is going to be about the how, but specifically some big picture hows. First of all, you can do this through a fairly predictable schedule. Now, when I mention the word schedule, a lot of times moms are like, don't talk about schedules. I'm terrible at schedules or I can't keep a schedule or whatever it might be. And as you see, when we go through here, you're going to see that I'm not talking about 8 to 8.15, you know, get children up. 8.15 to 8.30, read the Bible. 8.30 to 8.45, make breakfast. I'm not talking about this moment-by-moment -moment schedule, but rather I'm talking about a fairly predictable schedule <clears throat> in which certain things follow certain other things. Specifically, we were taught when we were um, with our uh, another early mentor that we went to workshops for, <clears throat> we were taught to attach important things to things that are already in your schedule. He said, you know what, everything that you want to do with your family, everything that you want to do with your children can be attached to something that's already there. And once it is attached to something that's already in your schedule, it's a lot easier to carry it out. And so we came home from that particular workshop and we started attaching things to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, getting up in the morning, naps in the afternoon, and going to bed at night. Those were six things that were pretty predictable in our schedules. Those were six things that we always did. I had a lot of little children. I didn't go a lot of places. So we pretty much had this predictable schedule that we knew that we could attach things onto. So we started attaching things onto the things that are already in the schedule. So the kids would sit down at the little table for breakfast. I would sit at the end and read to them uh, character building stories. After breakfast, we would clean up breakfast and we would go do our Bible reading. At lunchtime, we would do storybooks. Chapter, I would do chapter books uh, where they didn't need to see the pictures. I would read out loud to them while they ate lunch. After lunch, before, before bedtime, we attached a story time onto their, their pre-nap time. And so on and so forth until, as I like to say, our attachments were attached to each other and our lives became one big attachment. <laughs> but it really is a lot easier to carry out the things that you want to do when those things are attached 
to something that's already in your schedule. You're already going to eat three times a day. So attach something to those key times. How? With intentionality. With intentionality means that you are going to say, you know what? I'm not waiting another day. I'm not waiting till the beginning of the month. I'm not waiting till the beginning of the week. I'm not waiting till the beginning of the year. I'm not waiting until I get this book in. I'm not waiting until my husband does what I want him to do. I am not waiting. I'm not letting these years pass me by. With intentionality means that you are going to be intentional and you're going to start now. By prioritizing that reaching your children's hearts for the Lord will be of top priority to you. The most important thing that you can do will be reaching your children for the Lord. We have a lot of ministries and a lot of opportunities to go out and reach other people. But you know what? We decided early on that the most important group of people that we could reach would be our own children. You stop and think about it. When you go out and you bring somebody else to the Lord, and that's so great to do that. But when you bring somebody else to the Lord, you don't have that day by day, hour by hour discipleship opportunity that you do in your own home. You can not only help convert your children to Christ, but you can disciple them hour by hour, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, until they understand how to live the Christian life. You have an opportunity with your children for discipleship that is unmatched in every other realm of ministry. How? Relationally. That is just through living life with them. I hope that one thing that you'll take away from this when we go through the different times of day, I hope that one thing that you'll take away from this is how relational it really is to teach our children about Christ, how relational it really is to teach them, you know what, this is how we should live when we live for God and through biblical parenting. I have a lot of podcast episodes already at the blog, Raising Kids with Character or Character Inc. You can get to it both ways. At the blog, I have a lot of podcast episodes about biblical parenting. I have about character training and training through routine behaviors. I have episodes about the four D's of behavior and how those should be handled. I have episodes about how to turn around those four D's of behavior. We have some products, some charts and some posters and things to work with all of those areas. And so that is all at our blog. I don't have time. We have an entire workshop called Raising Kids with Character where we teach all about discipline all throughout that whole workshop. So you can get in touch with us if you'd like to schedule one of those. But through biblical parenting is another way that we are going to do this. Through really, really training our children properly, but also um, disciplining them properly and um not doing it with anger and not pulling, uh, pushing our children away from us uh, through biblical parenting. And so those are the five W's and one H in the overview of faith and character building for littles. Next, I would like to move into toddler tips. We're going to talk a lot about each of those times a day and specifically to all small children, but I really want to just start with toddler tips because the the way we start setting the stage with our toddlers will have a huge impact on how effective our character training is later on. So the first thing I would like to say about toddlers is to be sure that you adapt the toddler to your schedule and your family's lifestyle. 
we have a tendency to change everything when a baby comes, and that's appropriate because babies are wonderful, and also because at first when a newborn baby comes into your life, its needs and wants are the same. But very shortly thereafter, its needs and wants start to diverge. And what happens is a lot of times we keep our babies as they become six-month-olds, nine-month-olds, 12-month-olds, toddlers. We keep them in the same uh, category as far as needs and wants. And so instead of as the baby grows up into nine and 12 months and so forth into, your, into a toddler, we have a tendency to keep making the family revolve around that child instead of just fitting that toddler right into our family's lifestyle. We try to incorporate our babies and toddlers into our family's lifestyle really early on while being very sensitive to the baby's needs, of course, and um, just have so many fond memories where the older kids never resented the baby. Everybody loved the baby. Because the baby took time, of course, but the baby didn't monopolize everything. The baby didn't make mom and dad not be able to do the things that we should be doing with our older kids as well, even our preschoolers and our um, uh, our elementary children. And so just adapt the toddler to your schedule. Uh, yes, change your schedule as needed, but as soon as possible, gradually try to just incorporate the baby and toddler into your lifestyle so that um, the, the family's lifestyle doesn't revolve around that person, but instead really meets everybody's needs. All right, one reason I wanted to really talk a lot about toddlers before I got into the four times of day that we're going to do character and faith training is that this time period is one of the most important time periods of all of your parenting in that you can set the stage for your child's future tastes. You have an opportunity with this one-year-old, this 18-month-old, this 24-month-old, you have the opportunity to set the stage for his future taste. What is he going to like? What is he going to dislike? What is he going to enjoy? What is he not going to enjoy? We have the opportunity to set the stage for his taste to either be defiance or submission, to either be selflessness and meanness, or to be kindness and gentleness, to be hyperstimulation slash activity, or to enjoy simple things, to have a lack of focus and not enjoying learning versus having a love for learning. We have this opportunity because we have this new child, this 12-month-old, who's never, ha- never had any reason to be defiant, to be selfish, um, to be mean, to do any of those things unless, we, unless he sees that it's okay to do that. And so we have the opportunity to say, you know what, this is what our family is going to be about, and we're not going to have those types of behaviors. Um, We call those behavior absolutes. We recommend that you decide ahead of time what your behavior absolutes will be. Behavior absolutes are those behaviors that your family will not permit in your home. For us, we did not allow talking back, saying no, lying or deceit, temper tantrums, tantrums that, um, that we just didn't let them just go on. We carried the child to her crib, you stay in here until you're calm, and so forth. We didn't just let it happen and watch it happen and laugh about it or hope it goes away or um, 
you know, give in to the, where it got worse. Uh, striking somebody else. There was never any hitting. We had, uh, a, we, our family lineup was a boy or is a boy and then three girls and then three boys. And so we had a lot of boys, four boys and three girls. And even with all of those boys and, you know, all of the, you know, wrestling and carrying on that, that, that boys will do, there was not striking. There was not harming another person physically out of meanness. There was a lot of wrestling and a lot of football and a lot of broken things, um, but not meanness. And so we have to decide ahead of time what our behavior absolutes are going to be. What do you absolutely not want in your family? What do you, um, what will you allow in your family? And then you lay that foundation, and it's amazing how when you do that for the first child and then the second child, it becomes a way of life for the other children. Just, just you know, that this is what our family is. This is what we're about. This is what we do. You stop and think about families who are together into something, like into um, four-wheelers or into antiques or into um, sports, some kind of sporting event or whatever, and that they don't, the children don't question, well, I don't really like four-wheeling. You know, that isn't really what happens. The child likes it because that's what the family is about. And in the same way, we can lay the groundwork for our behavior absolutes to where it won't be questioned. Our family doesn't lie. We're an honest family. That's what we do. And will there be times that somebody lies, that somebody strikes, even if you have behavior absolutes? Definitely. But they will not be characterized by it. They will not be characterized by meanness, by fighting, by lying. And it will become a very big deal. I can still remember when our oldest child lied to us about math lessons and how brokenhearted he was over that because lying was not something that our home contained. We didn't have lying. And so it was a huge deal that he lied to us over completing some math lessons that he hadn't really done. It, was, it wasn't something that was just small that he didn't care if we found out about. He was broken about it um, because lying was a huge deal and was one of our behavior absolutes. Also, at this, in this time period, you can start teaching the joy of doing what is right. What if in this time period of toddlerhood, baby, babyhood, late babyhood, if every time the toddler did something right, it was just really, really encouraged and the negatives were discouraged, not to where there was any joking or laughing or, or um, making light of something bad, but instead a smile for grandpa, a hug for uncle, putting away toys afterwards, eating his, sitting up in the high chair and eating. If those uh, doing right behaviors are met with joy, if those doing right behaviors are met with acceptance, if those doing right behaviors are met with affirmation and encouragement, then that child is going to want to continue to do those behaviors to please you and uh, not do the ones that are displeasing. And lastly, during this time, I encourage you to develop predictable routines. I talked about this a little bit in the five W's and one H, and that is the, the predictable routines so that your child knows what to expect. You know, our kids can actually be our best accountability partners if we let them. In that whatever we say we're going to do, what do they say? Oh, mommy said we were going to do this, but she never does. You know, or we always, 
That was one of our buzzwords. Our family always, I really, really like buzzwords. We developed a lot of buzzwords in our family that became our own. And one of them was our family always, and whatever it is, our family always sits in the living room and talks before everybody goes to bed. Our family always praise around the dinner table, whatever. Those are your family's trademarks. Those are the things that make your family your family. Those are the things that make your family unique, that make your children happy to be a part of your family, that make your family your family. And so predictable routines will help our children to know what to expect. This is a really in a lot of other, because we have like 70 workshops and sessions. And so this material, this part about predictable routines is really in a lot of other things, um, multi-level learning, uh, scheduling, uh, prioritizing, organizing, our uh, um, helps for homeschool moms uh, uh, sessions, also in um, our parenting seminar. But our predictable routines are really important for young children especially. First of all, it is hard for us to understand, but when a preschooler or toddler, but especially a preschooler, when that child gets up in the morning and has the entire day to fill, if he doesn't go to preschool and he doesn't go to kindergarten and you stay home quite often, and especially like if you're homeschooling, then you you know often will you know have a lot of um, work to do all day with your children, with their school and so forth. And a lot of times it can become overwhelming to a preschooler to think about, Another day, what am I going to do today, you know, to fill that day up? And so because of that, I like to have a predictable routine so that the child had playtime, independent playtime, story time with me, um, times that he listened to unit studies with the whole family, times that uh, he did chores, um, times that he had room time where he would just play by himself. Um, and all of these things, I have podcast episodes about just about every single thing I just mentioned. Um, so you can see the links at the end of the handout, uh, for those, but developing this predictable schedule allows you to attach those things. Like I talked about earlier and allows your child to know, you know, mommy, I'm bringing the picture Bible to read before lunch or mommy, I got the storybooks all on the couch for story time. And it allows the predictability that your child needs to just be secure, to just know, you know what, I know what's going to go on this day. Our preschoolers loved their days. They loved, loved every day of of their preschool days. And we didn't have um, things like today, electronics and stuff. So we didn't even have a television. So they didn't really have any type of thing to entertain them with. They, we used audios. We were, and still are very, very big into audios. And so they had the opportunities to use these audios to learn from and to listen to. And then they had story time with me and they had Bible time in the morning. And, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute, all those different times and places to teach faith and character. But it would be uncommon for Jonathan and Josiah, our fifth and sixth kids, you know, to be at the breakfast table saying, you know, well, during independent playtime, you know, do you want to do Duplos or do you want to do, you know, sand and water? Well, we did sand and water yesterday. I, I was wanting to finish that Duplo uh, house that we were building. Okay, yeah, let's do Duplo. And what do you want to listen to while we do it? You know, and they would just, they would make their plans for the day like adults make their plans. It was so, 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 so cute. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Four to six is an amazing age anyway, but they were just so, so cute. And it's because they knew they had this predictability. They didn't have to fill the entire day, right? 
And I didn't have to try to fill their entire day because they had these blocks set aside uh, that they knew that they would have time to listen to mom read. They would have time for story time. They would have time for independent learning. Um, I had little charts and different things that they did uh, for independent work, you know, like puzzles and uh, practicing penmanship on the wipe and write board and different things like that that they did for their school, as they called it, quote unquote. And uh, they had a predictable schedule. And so having that predictability is a really great way to be sure that your faith and character teaching times are in place. And that you also have given your young children an appetite for simple things, for just learning, for just reading with mom, for just snuggling on the couch while mom does unit studies, for just playing with Legos, and that everything doesn't have to be a thrill. Everything doesn't have to be something so fantastic, you know, that I'm not happy unless I'm doing something bigger and better. And so you have that opportunity during those toddler years to to give that taste for all of those things, to build that appetite in your children for those things. And um, it just really, really helps a lot with the faith and character training. And it also helps a lot as your children get older so that they are more content just listening to you talk about the Bible with them and things like that so that you're laying that foundation for uh, simple pleasures. Okay, I would like to move into the times and places to teach faith and character. Laying that foundation with your toddlers will go a long way towards some of these activities and times. And I also um, wanted to point out that that scripture in Deuteronomy, again at the beginning of the handout, talked about these places and these times that I'm going to be describing. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them uh, four different times. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And so this is just so exciting because it is all about relational discipleship. It's all about getting into your children's hearts all the time. It's about not lecturing them about how they should do this or do that or how they should live or shouldn't live, but it's about living the Bible and the godly life with them so that they can learn all of the things that you want them to know as far as faith living, character living, uh, living for Christ, being a disciple, and so forth. So the first time of day is that very first time that was mentioned in that verse, when you rise up. And we like to really capitalize on the mornings with our kids. We uh, homeschooled our kids, so we did have them there all day to do all this type of training and so forth. But even if you don't homeschool, you can still do whatever you can by really using your time wisely. If your children go to school and you're not with them all day, or you have a job and they're at the sitters or whatever that might be, it is more important than ever that you use your time wisely, that you don't let time robbers steal your time that you could be investing in your children. It is a very short window of time. If you only have a couple of kids, it's not that long. It's not going to be 32 years of homeschooling for everybody, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, if you have a lot of children, it may end up to be that. But if you only have a few children, it's not going to be that long. But again, I don't really know anything that I could have spent my life on for those 32 years of homeschooling that would have been more important 
than investing in my children. So whether you're a homeschooler or not, you still want to use that time so wisely to invest in your children, and more so if you if they're not with you during the day. So we like to capitalize on that morning time. When you rise up, we like to attach things to the schedule that were already in the schedule so that we could really um, be sure that the things got done. And we like to uh, use those mornings Um, wisely. First of all, we had a lot of things that we did in the mornings throughout the years. Uh, One thing is uh, character building chore times. I have a lot of material (laughs) at the blog and a lot of podcast episodes and um, some uh, packets, some chore packets and so forth for sale at the store about character building chore times and about establishing three chore sessions a day. We had our three chore sessions before each meal for 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the age of the child, and we all just went around right before the meal and did our chores off of our chore list. This is a very good opportunity to build character, even if you only do it like right after school or if you only do it right before dinner or right after dinner, but it is a really good time to build character, thoroughness, responsibility, diligence, initiative. All of those things are built through family chores. Next, uh, family devotions or devotions with mom. Different times through the years, we would do different things. Sometimes uh, for a number of years, the kids would get up with my husband and do devotions with him. And then they would go back to bed for an hour or so, and then they would get back up with me. And so um, we just always made it work. We always somehow made everything that we wanted to do work. And um, it wasn't always the most convenient. And sometimes it didn't even seem like the most logical But we always really tried hard to make the things that were important to us happen. And so devotions with dad or while the kids are eating breakfast, devotions with mom and um, or uh, just devotions after breakfast is all cleaned up. A time in which you read out of a devotional, um, a time in which you uh, read the Bible Whatever, there are so many great devotional materials out there, picture Bibles and things for small children. We had a certain protocol that we followed when our uh, kids were little, really, really little, um, like three or four. My husband would read to them out of the picture Bible all the way through, um, straight through, one-on-one. That was just a really exciting time. And then the kind of a rite of passage for each child was when each child turned um, 10 or 11 or 12 and was able to read the picture Bible for himself. He read it all the way through himself. And it was just kind of a a really cool thing that we did. They first of all did it with dad one-on-one and then they did it by themselves later on. Um, Also, another thing that we did is that I read all the way through this series of books called the Family Bible Library. There are like 10 volumes in it, and it goes all the way through the Bible, and it teaches the Bible in story fashion all the way through, and it's just, it was just phenomenal. We used it with all seven of our kids. Uh, That was something that we actually got when Joshua was a baby, our oldest was a baby, and I read that to them, and then when they turned 12, they read it to a younger sibling, and so I read it to them as a group. And then when each child turned 12, he read it to a younger sibling out loud. And uh, just really great opportunities to use great materials to teach the Bible, teach biblical characters, teach biblical principles, teach scripture verses, and so forth. We also had, uh, during this time, our morning read-aloud time. This was uh, actually became our unit study time later on when the kids got older and we were doing official homeschooling. 
But prior to our official homeschooling, we did our morning read aloud where we would read from our um, different books. We would read uh, from um, devotional books. We would read from nature books. Uh, we would read from chapter books out loud and so forth. So a lot of things that you can put into that morning schedule with our little kids. When we first got them up, I would always do what we called our snuggle, rock, and read. Our snuggle, rocks, rockies, and reading. And that is just where I just did a cardboard book with each toddler when each, child woke, when each toddler woke up. Snuggle, read, rock. Uh, and when, once he was awake enough, you know, read the, the cardboard book to him. Just really a lot of fun. But the point of this is to have schedules and have things attached to that when you rise up time that put God first in your home. Okay, the next time period that is pointed out in our Deuteronomy passage is when you sit in your home. And one of the things that I think that is really lost in today's electronic and fast society among many other things, is this idea of sitting in your house. I can remember when um, several years ago when our now 21-year-old was maybe um, 17 or so. No, no, he was younger than that. He's about 15 years old. And he said, um, it was at the end of the night, he was trying to go to bed, and he said, this has been the best night ever. And I said, best night ever? Why would you say that? You know, we just ate dinner, and then we sat and talked, and we, uh, you know, read together, and then we moved to the living room and sat and talked some more, and uh, didn't really do anything. We didn't watch anything. We didn't play any games. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't have any special food. You know, I'm notorious for making a lot of things a party at our house. I really enjoy doing that for our kids. And he said, it was just because we just were all here together, just being and I thought, you know, that is such a true statement and something that we should all strive for in our families is to have that time just to sit and be, time in which you can just sit all together and you can help your children grow spiritually and in their character and uh, make life decisions. So many things can happen when you sit in your house. Now, I know specifically to preschoolers, you know, that might be a bit far off. But again, whatever kind of things that you lay the foundation for in the beginning, as far as like those simple pleasures that I was talking about a little bit ago and the ability just to enjoy whatever you do as a family is a gift that you will be giving to your children that will really pay off for uh, years to come. And so sitting in your house um, is something that, that uh, allots you a lot of opportunities to teach your children. I mentioned earlier about attaching things to things already in your schedule, and you can see that the top one here is story time. And um, I started having story time when Joshua was one year old, and I had it for one to three hours, one to two hours, um, every afternoon for, well, from the time he was one until uh, Jacob was 10. So um, Jacob's now 17, so seven times, th take away 33, for about um, 25 or 26 years. And it was just something that was a part of our lives that we did every single day, and uh, yielded the best memories and some of the the most uh, sweet times together. And how you can use story time also for spiritual training is to interweave spiritual books in with your story time. So we had different protocols, and I have a 
a podcast about story time also with young children. And I have a lot of blog posts about reading aloud and story time and lots and lots and lots of reviews and suggestions at uh, Raising Kids with Character and Character Inc. blog. But um, specifically with this, they would choose their books. We had library basket and they would choose from that. And then we would choose, we had ongoing books that we did every day, a little bit out of each one, because I always like to keep our children doing chapter books. I have a lot about, um, my master's work is in reading specialists. So I have a lot at the blog about teaching reading, about pre-reading and so forth. So if you want to check that out, story time was a great precursor to that. So, um, then also I had like certain books like that we would do every day, like, um, um, Bible atlases, or we do usually do that in the mornings during our unit times, but, um, animal and nature Bible books and, uh, Bible stories, you know, in the Christian fiction section, uh, with picture books for two for that. And just a lot of things that we could use that time to build faith as well. And there are a lot of good, good character building stories out there, both um, in book form, but also in um, audio form. And so, you know, uh, listening to audios, again, is another um, great way to sit together in your house. Organization and upkeep. I loved working with my children and I taught them skill after skill after skill by working together. And this is just a way that we can build character in them, that we can teach them organization, prioritizing, and much more. Discussion. Um, If you've been to our parenting seminars, you know we are big, big, big on discussion. I'm going to move down to six and seven at this time and uh, also come back to listening together. But uh, when it taught, when it, three, four, six, and seven, discussions, questions, parenthetical parenting, and expectation explanations. This all has to do with talking, and um, we have a series going on at the blog right now, 52 Great Times to Talk, which is a different time to talk to your kids um, every week, one post every week, and um, you can check check in on that, but talking with our kids is one of the very best ways to find out what's in their hearts and to train and teach them all the time. So you want to be sure that you are talking to them all the time about everything so that when you want to talk about something serious or you need to discuss something, you need to teach, you need to train, you even need to discipline and correct that you'll have their hearts and you'll have their attention through discussion of everything that's important to them during other times. Asking questions. One of the big techniques that we used with our kids all the time was asking them questions. Always just saying, so what do you think about this? So what do you think about this? Tell me what's happening, what's going on. Tell me what the latest is. Tell me how you feel about this. Asking a lot of questions. And you can start those with small children. And I always had older parents with older children come and say, I just can't get my teenager to talk. I don't know how yours talks so well to you. And it was because all the way back, when they rambled and rambled and rambled, we would listen and listen and listen to them. So skipping on down to number six, parenthetical parenting. Parenthetical parenting is um, when you explain something a little bit more than what you have to. And so when you think about a parenthesis, I'm a grammar teacher, an author of 60 curriculum books for um, in writing and language arts. When you think about parenthetical phrases, those are additional pieces of information. They aren't necessarily needed, 
but they give a more information than what the sentence previously contained. And so the same thing is true with our parenting. So I always encourage parents to use parenthetical parenting. That is, when you say something, say it, and then explain it another way if there's an opportunity. Or then use a simile or a metaphor to explain things. Now you might think, well, how, why would I need to do that with a preschooler? But for example, you know, if, you're, if she, she asks something technical, you know, why is the snow melted over there on that side of the road? in the ditch, but it's not melted on the, um, you know, around the car or whatever. You can say what your answer is and then say, it's just like, and give an example. That's what I mean by parenthetical parenting, where you're answering their questions all the time and you're giving them as much information as needed to answer their questions. And the, we did this all the time in our parenting, except for when it came to adult themes like sex education, things like that. When they ask something in those areas, we always gave them the least amount of information that they needed at that time. Then if they ask something else, we gave them more information. If they ask something else, we gave them more information. But in all other areas, we use parenthetical parenting to expand on our talking with them. And then number seven is another thing about talking, and it is about expectation explanations. We talk about this in great length in our parenting seminar, so I hope you can come to some one someday. Um, it's also available at the blog, too. But this is the idea that we are going to explain everything to our children ahead of time so that they always know what to expect in every situation, but so they also know what our expectations are of them going into every situation. It just really went a long way towards um, teaching our children to behave in certain situations, to always have them knowing what's expected. Now, some people are opposed to this because they say, well, you should, I shouldn't have to explain things to them. They should just do what I say because I say it. And you can live like that if that's how you want to live. And you can be an authoritarian parent and you can make your children obey. It's, it's very, very possible to do that. But that is definitely not the type of biblical and relational parenting that the Bible describes. Um, it says not to provoke your children to wrath. And so while we're being all hard-nosed about it, no, you know, I'm not going to explain it. You just do what I say. Then um, we are just pushing them farther and farther away from us. So in expectation explanations, we would say, for example, you have five minutes to clean up. We tell them what's expected. We would say, you know, tonight we're on our way to this meeting, and when we're there, this is going to happen, and these are the behaviors that we're going to expect of you there. And so just a lot of really good sitting in your house talking time, just any time you're together, whether this is a meal uh, or whether it is just um, like we used to have with all of our teenagers for years and years and years, just living room time at the end of the evening. Um, also listening together. I talked a little bit ago about uh, story time books, but also we uh, taught a lot, ton and ton and ton of character and biblical training and um, just morality and things like that through audios. We used The Pond. We used Adventures in Odyssey. We used Jonathan Park, um, Down Gilead Lane, um, Your Story Hour. They have Bible ones of those, and they also have um, character ones. Just listening to these together while we were driving, while we were cooking, while we were cleaning, just gave us a lot of opportunity to have a lot of teaching just when we're sitting in our home. Uh, reading together, uh, always, always making a priority to sit together in your house. 
We also had what we called good report time at the table where we would say, you know, and I always tell my husband ahead of time of the good report. And then he would say, I heard a good report today. And all of the kids would get so excited and he would tell who he heard the good report about. And we would just use this time to really build up our children and to encourage them and let the other children see, you know, good reports that were being given and um, affirmations that were given. Um, just really take the time to sit in your house. The third time in this Deuteronomy passage is when you walk by the way. And, of course, in our modern age, we don't really walk by the way. So when we think about walking by the way, we think about uh, when we go places. And we just want to encourage you to use your drive time. It's valuable time. In this electronic age, we have a tendency to put in earbuds and not to be together while we're driving. And that just breaks my heart because our best times with our children were driving. There was one time we took a trip to... Texas from Indiana and it was about a 20-hour drive I believe and we read a 500-page chapter book the whole I read a 500-page chapter book the whole way out there to our kids they were um, I want to say 11 7 5 3 and uh, something like that and it, I was actually pregnant so um, and uh, read that book on the way there and I hardly even took a potty break because it took me all those hours to read this really long book out loud. And then on the way back home, we read the sequel to it. And that is one of the hugest memories that my kids have was that I you know, gave up my time in the vehicle that I could have looked at magazines, I could have slept, you know, whatever. And um, then we didn't have videos and iPods and all that, you know, <laughs> but I did that for them. And we just, just cherished that time. So when our kids were little, we uh, were told from the beginning to utilize dry time. And if you're ever going anywhere, our mentors told us, if you're ever going anywhere, be sure you always take one child with you. And be sure you always have a, a child with you when you're just running errands or whatever, because then you have that time to spend with that child. And so we took this to heart, and we used to say, um, you know, who has your shoes on? Uh, you know, dad's going to town, or mom's going to town, or mom's running an errand or whatever. And it just got so cute where they would just run and get their shoes, and they didn't even care if they were matching or not. They just wanted to be the child with the shoes on who got to go. And so um, just really utilizing that drive-down-the-road time. Also, when we came home from someplace, we asked the question, who had good character there tonight? Who had good character? And we would ha the kids would go around the van, and they would tell who had good character at the event that we were at. And, they would, and it would just give them an opportunity to really look at their friends and see, you know, how their behaviors were and how they treated their siblings. That was another big thing. And uh, just to really talk about that uh, as we are driving. Um, I mean, also, daddy talks. This would be sometimes be in the car, and sometimes it would just be while we were sitting, by the way. Um, these were just times that, you know, Ray would gather the boys together, the three little boys together, and just talk about anything. Usually it was about... Um, uh, Bible verses. They would talk about Bible verses, but a lot of times it would be about something that the boys had heard about sex or something like that. Um, and he would just he would just sit down and talk. It was just a teaching time, informal. Um, a lot of times I think we do a disservice when we act like if you don't have this, you know, this degree in Bible and you don't have this Bible training or you don't have this great elaborate Bible program, you can't 
uh, do a lot of teaching, and that's not true. Um, because it can just be a matter of opening the Beatitudes and reading one and discussing it. Just really utilize those times. Meal times, of course, uh, when you're out and about. Car talks, talks. We used to take walks and have talks with our kids one-on-one, and that was how we would word it. Come take a talk with Dad. Come take a talk with Mom. And they just knew that that meant that it was just going to be the two of us, and we were going to have one-on-one time. Terrific Tuesdays and wonderful Wednesdays when you're out and about. Um, We used to have these days where in the afternoon, every Tuesday for a period of time, and then it was another time, it was every Wednesday for a period of time, a different child could have me for the afternoon. So I would do a quick story time with the little kids and then put them down for naps. And this was, we homeschooled, so I had older kids there to, to babysit too. And whoever's day it was got to do whatever she wanted or he wanted with mom for two or three hours that afternoon. Play games, read out loud, um, go get ice cream. It wasn't expensive, um, but it was just a time that was just the two of us. I can remember one time I read chapter after chapter after chapter sitting in Dairy Queen um, because that child wanted to go for ice cream and just wanted me to read a chapter book that was too hard for her and that none of the other siblings wanted me to read out loud. So, because I read hundreds of chapter books out loud in the afternoons during story time. Uh, Teachable moments, always watching when you're out and about, when you're sitting in your house all the time, always watching for those teachable moments, those times when this is just a perfect opportunity to relate something to the Bible, to relate something to character training, to expound on something, just to teach in some way. Keeping in mind when you are out and around with your kids that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so just give them opportunities to just talk, to just tell you anything. And the insights that you can gain, even from young children, when you just let them talk, are just amazing. And they will help you steer your training and customize your teaching and your heart, uh, heart affecting with your children. Listen more than you talk and singing. We always enjoyed singing and we learned a lot of scripture songs. That was very uh, important to us. Just a lot of scriptures put to music that we sang together. And the older kids still have such fond memories of those many, many scripture songs that we would sing. When you lie down. This is the last time of the day in our Deuteronomy instruction. And uh, this started out many years ago with what we called Malachi time. There's a verse in the Bible in Malachi 4, 6, I believe it is. It says, fathers, turn your hearts to your children and turn their hearts to you. And um, it was talking to the children of, children of Israel uh, during this the in-between time of the Old Testament, the New Testament, kind of in that time, but or when that time was about to happen. I'm not too historically accurate there. but um, And so it wasn't directly talking to fathers, you know, as far as instruction, do this. But we can definitely take that, you know, why did God say that? And how can we apply that to our lives? And so we were taught to look at this verse and and to see that it says, fathers, turn your hearts to your children, and then children, turn your hearts to your fathers. So it's like this will happen. Their hearts will turn to you if you first have your heart turned to them. And so one of the things that we did early on was we established a Malachi time at bedtime. And this Malachi time was a time in which Ray would go and tuck each child in uh, to bed at night and talk to them and pray with them and just tuck them in. And each night, a different child got a longer Malachi, as they called it, uh, because it was their extra Malachi night or their long Malachi night, as they called it. 
And that, and they knew that they were going to have dad's undivided attention for longer than just a couple of minutes. And, you know, he would just lie on the bed with them and talk for 15 or 20 minutes and just really get into their hearts. And it became such a sweet thing that it was just something that everybody looked forward to at bedtime and everybody knew that they would have dad in an undivided way at that time. And I just really encourage you to have these times when your children know. They know if you go on a talk that they're going to get you in an undivided manner. They know if you have a Malachi time. They're going to get you tonight at bedtime, and, and they can talk then. They know that when you... Um, uh, take them in the car one at a time, that they're going to be able to talk about anything they want. You know, they know that on their wonderful Wednesday, you know, that's their time. They're going to have you un, in an undivided way. And just encourage you to, to, no matter what time of the Deuteronomy time frame we're talking about, to have those times when your children know that you are going to be there for them. They know that you're going to be available. Bible talks, I talked about the daddy talks before where uh, Ray would just talk with the kids about whatever they needed to talk about. And a lot of times he would talk to the kids, the boys in a group. And um, it was just the three boys, you know, just say, come on in, let's have some daddy talks. And they would just talk together. Another thing he did was just have Bible talks. And it was like I was talking about before that actually went down here with the Bible talks, where you just open up the Bible and you just say, let's, let's read a little bit of the Beatitudes or let's read a little bit of the one another's of Scripture or let's read a little bit of the Ten Commandments, and um, and then let's talk about it. And you might only read one passage, and then just say, you know, what do you think this means? And and you know, when it says, uh, you know, uh, prefer others before yourself, what do you think that means? And and what do you, how do you think you could do that tomorrow? Or how did you do that today? And so it doesn't have to be a, a real big long Bible lesson. It can just be any type of instruction. Um, during Bible talks, bedtime stories, uh, those were a part of the Malachi time also. Tying heartstrings when you lie down, that's the last thing before they go to bed at night, is, is you know, hearing your love for them and hearing your commitment to teach them and to train them and to bring them up in God's ways. Remember that the eyes are the windows to the soul, and a lot of times at uh, bedtime, there is just a, a letdown. There's just a little bit of a, um, a surrendering that takes place. There's a lot of fatigue, and a lot of times they will just, you can just tell in their eyes what's going on in their souls. And so it's a really good idea to take the time at bedtime to spend with them. Now, I say that be assuming that your bedtime training has been taken, has already taken place. The bedtime training that is required to really use the Deuteronomy when you lie down time is huge. When you lie down time can only happen if you've done your parenting properly up to this time. In other words, you don't have, they don't have this, you don't have a bedtime battle. You don't have this pull and push between you and the child to go to bed, to stay in bed, to not get up to potty, to not need more drinks to not fight with the sibling that they share a room with. All of those bedtime trainings have had to take place prior to this time in order for these great, amazing, when you lie down times to really happen. And so um, I did, this isn't the time or place for that because this will get even longer than it already is. If I go into that, I encourage you to contact us to do a Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar in your area 
to come to your homeschool convention to do different ones. A lot of times uh, in the past, we've just done where we've gone homeschool conventions and just we've just done three or four or five of the sessions from our parenting seminar right in a row so that if people just wanted to get that parenting help um, while they were at the homeschool convention, they could get it there in uh, kind of a chronological order. Um, getting ready to do one here in our area in the next month or so, getting ready to do several of these sessions in Canada uh, next month. So um, that, that I, I just can't tell you enough about the importance of a, a biblical approach to parenting. That is where parents are in charge, not children, where there's discipline and things are in order in such a way that all of these wonderful trainings can take place. All of these things that I've just described can happen in your home, when you've had that proper parenting and the proper uh, child training um, taking place ahead of time, then all of a sudden, all of these things that you want to do, the ways that God wants you to train your children can happen because you've taken care of those things ahead of time. At the end of your handout, I do have some links. Um, there is a link to the podcast, and then there's the QR code below that you can scan with your smartphone to uh, go and listen to those podcasts. These are just a few that I put that were really pertinent to uh, birth to age five or so. Um, so I just put about a dozen of those here. There are more. If you have older children and you want to know more about the parenting with the four Ds of behavior, with the uh, root training and routine behaviors, um, just all kinds of uh, podcast episodes and videos, about those things are there at the blog also um, besides these but these were the ones that were appropriate for this age so anyway I really appreciate you staying with me this long and I hope that this has been a blessing to you I have I could literally do three or four hours on nothing but this preschool topic and faith and character building um, because it's just such a precious precious time that you have in your life to really start to make a huge impact and get a lot of spiritual training and uh, biblical training and character training in your children's hearts at early ages. So thanks again for joining me. This has been Donna Reish with Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar and uh, Character Inc. Press uh, Publishing Company. And hopefully you will join me again at the blog or at a future podcast. Thanks again.